All right, gang, so as I said at the beginning of the service, it's a little bit of a different uh, day today because I am offering uh, a State of the Church address. Now, I really tried to find something a lot more sexy to call it than State of the Church, and we worked hard on it, um, but gosh, that's where we ended up. I just had these visions that I would look out in the room and half of you would be standing on your feet, you know, cheering, and then half of you would head your arms folded and scowling because of what we're used to with the State of the Union. But this is a State of the Church. It's a different kind of thing. And um, um, I will tell you that, uh, that um, I have 30 pages up here. Anybody want to groan out loud? Uh, the good news is it's an 18-point font because of my elderly eyes, but, um, but we do have, I think, a lot that's really important for us to think about as a church who we are today and who God is leading us to be, and I want to set the pace for that. And I've decided that, um, you know, State of the Church sermon, you know, it's kind of a different thing one way or the other. Um, anytime we are gathered in the context of worship and we are talking about our relationship with Jesus and what God calls on us to a church, that's preaching. And so it's just uh, my theology of preaching is a little wider and it includes uh, what I want to share with you um, today. So why, why am I doing this today? Well, we've been through a very challenging couple of years and everything we knew as normal has been turned upside down and gang, we know that includes even the church. Pastors and church leaders across the globe have been in what likely is the two most stressful years ever experienced in their ministry. And that includes me and your church here uh, and your staff here at Trinity. Little did we know how long this thing would be. Um, I remember how clever I thought I was in March of 2020 when I decided I was going to shut the church down for two weeks. See how that worked out for me, right? Um, wow, I was wrong. So both the staff and church leadership have been struggling in the last couple of years with really important questions like, what does a church even look like during a pandemic? How in the world are we going to keep track of and stay connected to all of our church folks who we love so much? Um, I will tell you that we worked like crazy to try to stay connected, to know what was going on in your lives, to even know, are you still out there? I mean, we tried really, really hard, and honestly, in some cases, we just absolutely lost track, and that was very, very hard. Would people still believe and know that their church loved them? Are, are we doing what we need to do to help folks continue to grow in their faith in Jesus? And probably the most unhealthy question that we were asking ourselves was simply this, what are we not doing right what are we not doing right? We had plenty of people who told us what we weren't doing right, but <laughs> we wanted to know what, what we weren't doing right. So what we did know is that things were fundamentally going to change, and we wanted to be ready to be a faithful, thriving congregation both during the pandemic and especially as we began to get to the other side, whenever that is and whatever that looks like. So lots of stuff has been happening behind the scenes to get ready, and I'm going to say a little bit more of that towards the end. The predominant wisdom of church think out there right now is that churches really need uh, to um, need to have a reset so that we can have vital ministry. I've talked about um, um, what I've called the state of the church to people in small talk and in smaller groups. And then a lot of people began to encourage me and say, wait, you know what? The whole church needs to hear this. You need to share this with the whole church. And I figured, well, the best context when I have the biggest audience together is in worship. And that's why I'm sharing it here. So here goes. 
So uh, for those of you who like to know what the roadmap is for a talk, I'm going to tell you it's got three pieces. First, I'm going to talk about how things are going, and we're going to have a chance to celebrate some stuff in the life of the church. Secondly, I'm going to talk about what are our growing edges. And some of you are going to be glad I say some of this stuff, and some of you are not going to be glad I say some of this stuff. But we need to talk about what are the areas we need to be paying attention to and working on our growing edges. And then finally, I'm going to give a little glimpse about some stuff that is coming up in the future. So how are we, how are things going? All in all, <clears throat> given the challenges of the past couple of years, I think we're in pretty good shape. We have a lot to celebrate here at Trinity, and I want to celebrate some of that stuff. I want to talk first about serving others and serving beyond ourselves, mission and service. 2022 has been a robust response to finding ways for you to serve your neighbor, both locally and globally. Our local mission partnerships are active and strong. Let me name a couple of those. Pizza making for Friends of the Homeless, the NEMAP Pantry, New Life Community Outreach, Little Bottoms Free Store, YWCA Family Center, Bethlehem on Broad, the Community Refugee and Immigration uh, where Trinity has welcomed, helped get established, and continue to support a refugee family from Afghanistan, and of course, our Love the 614 ministry. I want to give you some ways that you have served and engaged in mission in the first quarter of this year alone, since Christmas, believe it or not. Our Love the 614 ministry, you packed 18,400 meals so that 1,840 students in Columbus Public Schools who ordinarily received breakfast and lunch at school could continue to have nutritious meals while they were on their spring break this year. At Christmas, we asked for a special offering in our partnership with RIP Medical Debt that multiplies gifts to be able to, um, to forgive de uh, medical debt for folks who are really buried under that. You raised $54,000, and it was magically turned into $5.4 million. $5.4 million of medical debt was um, relieved for people because of your gift. Down at Nebat Food Pantry, we have a regular gang that goes down there, but we added 38 brand new unique folks who are serving now at Nemat. We gathered over 16,000 laundry pods uh, for folks in this city for whom laundry detergent is a luxury. We raised $4,000 to build a well at an orphanage in India with whom we have a relationship. And one of our Trinity members has started and is running a foundation, we'll hear more about that, to build a new home for those children. We fed 200 kids, and it's still growing because I saw rice bowls coming in this morning through the rice bowl initiatives. We fed 200 kids every day for a month. We delivered six large boxes of clothing to the New Life Center in Columbus. You donated 10,000, you want me to keep going? You donated 10,000 diapers um, and wipes to Little Bottoms Free Store for folks who can't afford those things. You donated generously to the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR we call it, to be able to bring immediate relief to uh, Ukrainian refugees. And because of your gift, along with the gifts of other United Methodist uh, $2 million has already been released and is at work with Ukrainian refugees. Trinity, you are, yes, Trinity, you are doing it. You are making an impact. You are touching thousands of lives in just the past couple of months. I mean, of course, I could have added last year's list to it, but I don't have time to do that today. That got cut out and thrown on the floor, right? 
but this stuff is just this year, and we have more and more opportunities coming our way to serve as well. As we think about service, we've also partnered with an organization and have a new initiative called Volunteer Accelerator. This partnership that we have is a, is a place that knows all these fancy kind of computer algorithm kinds of things, and they help a church build a survey that folks in the church can complete, and then they'll get you might match with your church's ministries. Here are the five top places you might, you might match. And there's some staggering statistics that we learned. I learned that at Trinity, uh, we have 139 possible ways for you to be able to serve in ministry through Trinity. I thought there was a lot, but man, that kind of blew my mind. Over 200 of you took that survey and already are being engaged in ministry in a new way. We're still crunching data uh, from it, and it's never too late to take the survey. It'll always be up and going. Maybe your life has changed and you want to see what your new top five is and you want to serve. You can always get to that on the website. So in the area of mission and service, Trinity, you are serving Jesus in the world with your hands and your feet and your voices. Thank you for that. I want to talk about pastoral care for a moment. We've been intentionally trying to offer pastoral care within the church and the community in some specific ways. Our Grief Share ministry has cared for 24 persons who are traveling through the grief of the death of a loved one. Our loss of spouse ministry has walked with 21 persons through that very difficult time. Our Caring Cards ministry continues week after week to, to, to reach people. Our prayer ministry team has prayed over 10,000 prayers was the number I got. And our Keeping in Touch ministry to our senior adults at Trinity reaches 58 people every single week trying to care for our folks. Now let's talk a little bit about worship. I know my pace is a little different than preaching, but I got a lot to say, so stay with me here. There is no way that I could ever express my gratitude to the worship teams, including staff and volunteers in this church. In the past couple of years have been a real challenge to figure out how to deliver week after week after week meaningful, spirit-filled, passionate worship services. From that first Sunday in 2020 when we had to close down the building through a series of reopening and reclosing, this team has worked every Tuesday morning to plan that week's and more worship services so that they would be intentional and meaningful. Lots of stuff worked in that time. A few things didn't pan out, but I would say that um, for the most part, what that team has delivered has been extraordinary given our times. Several of our new members who have joined the church this year um, have start, started with us online. Um, each week we've been trying to plan services that, that will reach both an in-house and online congregation. Y'all know worship really feels and looks different based on whether you're in this room or you are online. And so we had to think about what does it look like to be able to do a worship service that worked in both places. It took a little more thought and effort. And I'm grateful to our online production team for how hard they have worked because they've been trying new camera angles, uh, some, some new equipment, uh, additional lighting, some sound upgrades, and maintaining all of our equipment so that um, we can deliver that online experience. When it comes to worship attendance through Lent up to Easter, uh, we have seen a significant uptick in both in-house and online worship attendance. In Lent, the weeks, the five Sundays before Easter, 
we averaged 412 on our 9 o'clock online service, and uh, we averaged 100, uh, 226 uh, at 9 o'clock up the hallway uh, in-house, people in place. For this 1030 service, we averaged 137 online and 90 in the room. So our overall weekly worship attendance um, has been a strong average of 780 worshipers per, uh, per week. And that's something to celebrate. You curious how many people worship with us on Easter Sunday? Everybody always wants to know how many we have on Easter. 1,376 people worship with Trinity on, um, on Easter Sunday. Now some other news that's not totally related to worship, but has had, um, worship has had an impact on it already this year. Trinity, we have received 22 brand new members into membership here at Trinity. We have some really exciting things planned for worship coming up for the rest of the year, so uh, don't, don't miss out. I want to talk a little bit about the church staff. Um, 2022 will bring a couple of significant changes to our staff. Of course, the one that's on everybody's mind is the exciting news that Pastor Katie Wheat has been appointed to serve uh, the Church of the Messiah in Westerville. And that is a huge blessing for the kingdom of God. She will be serving, listen to this, as the senior pastor of the second largest United Methodist Church in central Ohio. That's like five or six counties worth of United Methodist churches. She'll be the senior pastor of the second largest uh, church. Trinity, you had a hand in this. You have made the place where Pastor Katie has honed her skills. She's grown in all areas of pastoral leadership, and she's become quite the preacher. She's absolutely prepared for this massive step in her life and for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so pleased that the past two most recent associate pastors have gone from Trinity to serve at really um, important and large pulpits in this, in this conference. Um, we'll be have, have some time to celebrate uh, Pastor Katie's departure coming up soon. Now, of course, as soon as that news went out, we had a lot of people freaking out. What's going to happen? Who's our next pastor going to be? Well, friends, I am pleased and excited that the Reverend Kim Wisecup is going to be joining our team. Her first Sunday is June the 26th. She'll come as our new associate pastor. I find myself describing Pastor Kim to people the same way over and over again. I always start out by saying, oh man, Pastor Kim, she is a deep pool. She is deep, deep. She's deeply committed to Jesus. She's very articulate. She's a really good thinker. And she is so kind and compassionate. She's easy to get to know. And she's one of those people that when they walk into the room, they are a calming presence. And God knows I need that in my life. Amen, church. Now, Bailey Capper is the chair of our uh, staff parish relations committee here for out called SPRC because it's quicker. Um, she said this, and I quote about Pastor Kim. What energized me the most about the introduction conversation with Pastor Kim was her experience in helping those that never knew Jesus or had been hurt by the church find their way back to Christ through her leadership. It's the ability to connect with the currently unchurched that will enable us to continue growing God's kingdom. I think you're going to love her. A second staff change that was really effective at midnight this morning, or last night, however you call midnight, is that our business manager and CFO, Mr. Wade Steen, has taken a very exciting new job, and that's going to require his full attention. 
Now, I've often said about Wade Steen, now, the rumors that there wasn't room for two Wades in this place are untrue. You know, I'm not used, where are you, Wade? We're not used to having other Wades around, are we? (laughs) Because we have one of those names. But uh, um, I've often said of Wade Steen that he's one of those unique financial bean counter kind of guys who brings his spiritual life to the job. What that means is that he's still a very important bean counter, and he's still carefully monitor and has been leading us to be really responsible, good stewards of the resources available to us. But the difference in his bringing his spiritual life to the job is it operates a lot differently. For example, when the quick, logical answer to a question of something that's going to use resources is no, Wade will carefully ask some other questions first. Like, if we do this, will this build up the kingdom of God? Or um, if, if, if we do this, will this for further the work of Jesus Christ? And if the answer to those questions are yes, his response is, well, we need to do this. And so let's figure out how to make it happen. Rare is the church CFO who can keep that balance. In my entire ministry, I've only worked with one other um, like you, Wade Steen. Wade and Marty are still going to be members here at Trinity. Isn't that good news? And he will continue to serve on our leadership uh, board, and for that I am so grateful. Um, Wade and Marty, would you, would you stand up, and could you guys love on them just a little bit? <laughs> Thank you so much, and uh, we're glad we're still going to have you around. These kind of changes also give us an opportunity to look at the whole staff. And what does that configuration look like? Uh, is, it, is it right for who we are and where we're going? And we're working on that um, as well real hard. So what is the state of the church address without talking about money, right? So stewardship and finance, I want to hit that. Hey, gang, I got some good news for you. Because of your faithfulness in terms of generosity to the operating budget as well as some cost-saving measures that we have uh, worked on, we ended 2021 in the black. And a part of that good news is that we were able to um, strengthen our operating reserves that sustains this ministry when we are in leaner seasons of the year. And by the way, one of those seasons is summer, so we're getting ready for it. Um, If you'd like to see a copy of the balance sheet of the income statement for the end of 2021 down in the narthex, there's some hard copies, but you can also just go on the website tomorrow and look at it if you'd like to. One of the greatest fears I had when the pandemic hit was how in the world are we going to keep this place afloat? And you did it. Thank you. Thank you. You did it. You continue to be faithful and regular in your giving. Thank you doesn't even begin to get close to how um, to be able to express the impact you made. Now, this year so far, we're a little behind on the year. And it's just the first quarter, a little early, too early to tell what that means for the year. The finance team is keeping a deep dive on it. And then I wondered if it might be like something that like I did. When Wade gave me the March um, income statement and I saw that we had a deficit for the month of March, I realized that I hadn't gotten my tithe check in here before the end of the quarter and the books were closed. And what I also realized is if mine had been in here, not only would we have not had a deficit, but we would have actually been in the black. And so I sheepishly wrote my check and brought it in and got it included in April. Who knows, maybe some of you are in the same situation. So that clearly is a gentle reminder um, that it maybe uh, check that out, make sure that you're, you're up to date. 
Now, one of the proactive things that we did towards the end of the year last year was to enter into a relationship with an organization called Horizons Stewardship. They are dedicated completely to helping churches understand their stewardship culture and um, also help churches with um, fundraising and capital campaigns. Many of you completed the online survey that came out as a part of their data collection. So thank you for doing that. It really helped. What they're doing is helping us take a look at our, uh, at our, at our culture um, with stewardship. Now, as I said, when we sent that survey out originally, we're not doing this to signal that we've got some financial problem, but it's simply a way to approach stewardship in the most faithful way we can. I've said to you that it was kind of like when you go to the doctor and get an annual physical. You're not going because you're sick. You're going because you want to make sure that you are well and that there are no underlying issues. And so I've just been calling this a financial physical. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, I take financial stewardship so seriously that I th thought this was a very important and responsible step for us to take. We're getting a checkup to see how we're doing. The leadership board's going to get the results of that this week on Thursday, and we look forward to what we can learn about Trinity, and they'll even have some prescriptions to give us so that we might be even more healthy in the future. So again, thank you for your faithfulness. As I like to say, God gives us a mission, and um, your financial support helps to fuel um, and support that mission. Some things to celebrate in the life of the church. I want to talk also about some growing edges. These are the things that we need to be paying attention to and that we will be paying attention to. We'll be hearing more um, coming from, uh, from me and from leadership as we move into the future. There are some things we need to work on. One of those is being welcoming to all people, being welcoming to all people. Because people matter to God, people matter to us. And because of that, our primary mission has to include being a place where anyone who wants to explore a relationship and a journey with Jesus can come and find it without reservation or fear. Now, that seems a little strange to many of us in a way. Most of us would say that Trinity is a friendly and welcoming church, but I will tell you that is not always how someone will, uh, how people experience us. And I wanna share a couple of ways that that happens. One of those is just around the area of guests. We used to call them visitors. Man, am I glad we're finally making that shift to seeing people as our guests rather than just visitors, right? As you know, um, many of you know, I worked in the hospitality industry for a whole lot of years. And one of the things we often talked about was the guest experience. We wanted our guests to have the very best experience possible. We were the ones who were responsible for delivering that because we wanted them to return. And as, as, as easy as it would seem for churches to do that, it's actually really, really challenging in churches. When I was serving with the bishop on the cabinet prior to coming here to Trinity, I got into a lot of United Methodist churches. And one of the things I used to ask churches is, what do you think are your strongest attributes as a church? What do you think was always in slot one or two that I heard from somebody? We are a friendly church, I would hear that. And, and they were telling the truth. They are all friendly churches. The problem is that in churches, often the friendliness is mostly to those who you already know. That's where most of the friendliness happens. Um, and so you wonder, what is it like for a guest? What is it like for a guest who comes to Trinity? Are they greeted and welcomed by church folks other than the usher, the greeter, or the pastor who we say that's their job to do that? And Trinity, I'm going to be real honest with you. This is not our strongest attribute as a congregation. 
in my time here, um, I've had way too many people who have visited this church and told me that not a person spoke to them the entire time that they were here for their visit. Now, of course, there are several who have had the complete opposite experience, and some of you are actually sitting here today because you had that opposite experience. But I think there are a couple of things that um, probably impact our capacity to reach guests. One of those is obvious. We got a lot of friends here in the church. And this is sometimes the only time in a week that we get to see other people and to, to visit with them. And that's awesome. And I hope that's always a part of our culture. I get that. But sometimes we get wrapped up in that friendliness that we miss the, the new person who walks by. Or perhaps if, uh, if, so if, if all of us worked on being more conscious of new folks, um, and then we could enjoy our friends more at church and welcome some others as well. I think there's a, another reason that sometimes we don't do a great job with welcomes, and that is because Trinity is a large congregation. And, and sometimes we see somebody that we're not sure we ever saw before, and we don't know whether they might be visiting that day or if they've been here for a long time. And some of you have told me, I'm just, I'm just worried about getting embarrassed about saying something to somebody and ask them if they've been here. And then their response to me is, well, I've been a member here for 25 years. Where have you been, right? <clears throat> I will tell you, gang, in this service, two weeks ago, I did that. I came up to two of you, and I said, oh, hi, my name is Wade. I'm not sure that I know you. And your response to me was, well, we've been coming here to worship for two years. And then I realized, oh, thank God they came during the pandemic, and I blamed it on masks, right? <laughs> So gang, let's do this. It's worth the risk. Um, and, and if it's helpful, I hereby, by the power vested in me, hereby absolve you of any error you might make in asking somebody if they're visiting today and they've been here for 25 years, okay? Amen. We're going to do this. It's worth it. Look around. Yeah. All right. Another area of, of welcoming I want to talk about is the area of inclusion. Now, you might have noticed earlier, I used a, the word fear as something someone might feel coming to a church. And maybe you were surprised that I used the word fear because it often surprises folks to learn that the church is a place where lots of people are actually afraid to try or feel like they may not be safe or actually welcomed and included. Maybe some of us are surprised because it just doesn't dawn on us. The reality is that a majority of us who are a part of this congregation have the privilege of enjoying a life situation where we don't have to think about those kinds of things. We have fairly easy access to just about anything and any place we would want to go. But there are those for whom the church has been a scary and unsafe place to be. And for a variety of reasons, they have been given the message that the Christian church writ large that because of something about who they are or how they identify or their culture or their ethnicity, I mean, we could make a pretty long word, and usually the label we put that on that is marginalized communities. Church often feels unsafe and that they would not be really welcomed or included. Gang, as I've said, I'll say it again, Trinity has to be a place where anyone who wants to explore Jesus can find it here, they can do it without reservation, do it without fear, and that they would be safe, and we want them to do that exploration. Maybe sometimes we have to wrestle with the word welcome. What does welcome mean? Does it simply mean our doors are open? 
I mean, that's sometimes what welcome means. Or does it mean our doors are open to you? I'm glad you're here. I want to get to know you, and will you sit with me? Do you see the difference between the welcome that reaches and the welcome that we assume? Um, or maybe say, hey, we're going we're gonna to pack meals for starving children this Saturday. Would you come and pack with, with my family? So whether we've known somebody for 50 years or three minutes, we want to make them to make sure that they know they are welcome, that they are cared for, that they belong here, that we want them here. Um, and we've just got to be better about how we do that and doing it consistently. So one of our growing edges is being a welcoming church. A new area I want to talk about is the area of discipleship. Um, discipleship, by the way, is just a fancy church word. And that means going deeper in our faith. Some of you were here on my very first Sunday six years ago, and I told you that my approach to leading church was to uh, create the kind of arena where people can say yes to Jesus, they can go deeper in their faith, and get going, that is, go serve in the world. And uh, um, that second part, that go deeper, is about discipleship. I just want to say, Sunday morning worship alone is just not adequate for a a vital growing faith in Christ. We gotta do more than that. It requires some spiritual disciplines, a deeper dive through study groups and classes and reading and all kinds of things like that. And Trinity wants to be the kind of place to help make that happen for folks. Now there's a challenge that we have that's pretty predominant in the Christian community as a whole right now. And that is that um, many approach their own personal discipleship from this perspective. That's something my church does to me or that's something my church does for me. And we, we miss the point that it's personal discipleship, that that's a journey that you need to lead and that you need to take pride and ownership and responsibility. So we're gonna work on what does it look like for Trinity to come alongside folks, help create places and opportunities to grow in discipleship, but also how can we respond to your needs to grow as well? That's one of our, our, growing, um, our growing edges. And that includes uh, students and children. I'm really, really concerned about how the impact, how the pandemic impacted the great momentum that we had in our ministry to children and to students. And let me assure you, that is clearly on our mind and we're working on that. A little optimistic, I mean, we saw some fruit from that in the last couple, uh, last couple of weeks uh, recently. For example, we had a really good presence in our children's Bible 101 class that we had, which led the way to our Bible Sunday last week where 138 children received Bibles in, in worship here at Trinity and online. And it's also my hope and prayer that, that families who have children and teens would, um, would talk about how spiritual development is a priority in your household as we continue to ramp up opportunities to come alongside you and help you do that. One of the biggest challenges is, that we have had is that our, our um, unpaid servants, our volunteers who were a part of those ministries prior to the pandemic simply haven't returned, um, haven't been able to um, come back and help again. So maybe God's calling you to help us make that happen. Another growing edge I wanna talk about is the current cultural divides of our, um, of our culture that exists in our country right now. Um, I wish I could say that that stuff you see on TV or maybe that you engage in and these cultural divides is not a part of the church, but guess what, y'all? That stuff walks right through the doors with you. 
I want to say if there's ever, uh, if there's a place anywhere where an alternative needs and should be modeled, it needs to be the church of Jesus Christ. Our culture is more and more divided. There's been a trend over lots of years of becoming more and more of a divided world, neighbor against neighbor, within our communities, within our families, within our church, around all kinds of things like economics and politics and social issues. And it's not easy because people feel really passionate about that stuff in the first place. One of the things I'm trying to keep my eye on is kind of the stuff that the Apostle Paul ran into that that Corinthian church, you know, in the first letter he wrote to them, he said, you know, I hear this thing about y'all. He didn't actually use y'all. I, I, added, I added that in. That was extra. Um, he says, I hear that some of you want to follow, follow Peter. Some want to follow Apollo. Some want to, want to follow Paul. Some of you want to follow some of the others. But I tell you, don't do any of that. You are to follow Christ and Christ alone. And I think that ought to drive who we are, even when we find ourselves divided across any kind of ideological line that could stand in our way of ministry. Trinity, why can't we be the model of a different way than what's so exhausting right now as a part of our culture? The last thing I want to name um, for uh, this area of, of growing edges is a culture of invitation. Invitation. Um, there are a couple of folks at Trinity who are really good at bringing people and, and introducing them to the church and wondering if they could explore faith here. But for the most part, this is not one of our strengths. There was once a time when you would just hang out your shingle as a church in a community and, and you know, if you build it, they will come. And there used to be a time that in the tri-village area, Trinity was among the top one or two churches where if you lived here, that's where you went to church. That's not the case anymore, and we do not um, have any of that as an option. And all of the really smart people who study this stuff will say that almost the vast majority of people who come to a church come because they were personally invited by another person to come. So look for other opportunities to, um, to invite people to come and explore faith here at Trinity and try it out. All right, I'm going to go to the last section. That's just a short little look forward. How many pages did I tell you were here? 30. I told you a lie. There's actually 29, I just noticed. That's a good editing work over the last couple of days. It's now below 30, but I'm now at the bottom of page 26, so we're almost there. Somebody say amen. Oh, thank you. Do you need a stretch or anything? No, we're going to get there. I want to talk a little bit about what the leadership board of the church has been working on and some of the strategic thinking. Um, they've been working on this for way over a year. We knew that the pandemic was a fundamentally changing event for the world and for the church that required some intentional thought and planning for a post-pandemic vital congregation. So we took a deep dive, spent over a year working on that, and we handled a whole lot of questions. Questions like, what are Trinity's core values? What are we, what's important to us? What are some of the aspirational values we hope to have as a church? What's our purpose? Why do we even exist? I mean, if, if we disappeared overnight from this corner, would anybody but us inside actually notice that we're gone? Or do we impact the community? What is God counting on Trinity to be and to do for the sake of the kingdom of God? So what will this work that the leadership board has been doing do for Trinity? Well, it helps us be a lot more clear about who we are and what we value as a church. It it'll better define for us how to invest the limited resources we have that are available for ministry. 
And, you know, there are a whole lot of great ideas about what churches ought to be doing. You know, sometimes when summer comes, I know it's about to come because y'all are going to go places and you're going to visit churches and then you're going to come back and say, hey, you know, First Church of Atlanta is doing this thing. Why are we not doing that or we should be doing that, right? I get lots of that stuff. And they're all great ideas. But what we need to do is ask the question, are those ministries in alignment with our core values? What being clear about our values does is to give us those appropriate guardrails that kind of keep us on the mission and increase our impact. So next week, I'm going to start a sermon series called Build My Life, Build My Life. And in those weeks, we're just going to explore what is values? What does that even mean? Um, what does it mean for me to have values in my personal life? What, what are the kingdom values look like? And then what are the core values that will um, lead and guide us here at Trinity for a while? So that's coming up. Well, gang, as you can see, there's a lot to celebrate. Um, we are a strong and vital church community. Um, we have done well in the, in the challenge of the past couple of years. Um, I've got some colleagues who are really, really, their churches are really struggling right now. So thank you for helping make that happen. Do we have some growing edges? You better believe we do. Am I going to name them? Oh, yeah. And are we going to work through them? Absolutely. Are there limitations? Sure. Are there issues to work out? Absolutely. But I'm reminded of what the angel said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was finding out that she was going to be Jesus' mama. That angel said, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, here, I am, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Let me show you what's happening there. The angel reminds us that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. And when Mary hears that, her immediate response as a servant is, here am I, a servant of the Lord, send me. We hear God saying, there's nothing impossible because I'm a part of that. Trinity, we need to be the people who say, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. I love being your pastor. I love being a part of this community. It's an incredible honor. It's a great responsibility um, to do that. Thank you for the ways that you make Trinity a significant faith community. Um, on days like today, we get a chance to see what God's doing, God's hand, and think about what's yet to come. And I'd like to close with um, our old 320 prayer. Do all, any of you still have that in your wallet? That we were praying at 3, thank you, that we were praying at 320 every um, afternoon. Um, that was based on Ephesians 320. I'm going to pray that as our closing prayer. And then, Chris, I'm going to look and see what's next. We're going to have a short worship song and then move to communion, right? Uh, I think we got time. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I have a clock I can see and you can't, right? So, so let's pray together. God, I pray that you would break through at Trinity in ways far more than we could ask or imagine. Amen and amen.